Yankees and 49ers has passed. He was getting hungry again. And, and, and that is just the character of Satan. That, that is just the low life that he is. He comes at your worst time. He comes at your lowest time. He comes at your weakest time, and he'll act like he's really something. And the Bible says, I like this, that one day we're going to look upon him and say, is that it? Is that him? This is all it was, really? And he's going to say, yeah, that was it. He had a lot of power. He has a lot of power. Don't get wrong. But I tell you what. A greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. And so Jesus was tempted, and, G, and, and, and he, of course, at every temptation, he said, It is written, it is written, it is written. He said, thou, he said You shall worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou worship. And Jesus there was, was acknowledging, was telling Satan, You have a God, buddy, and I'm it. Thy God. You, sh you should worship the Lord thy God. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And one of those knees is going to be Satan. And I believe, I, I pray, I'd love to hear that ring out through all, all of eternity when Satan gets on his face and says, Thou art Lord. What a day that'll be. And unfortunately, not too late, he's going to spend the rest of his eternal existence in hell. And so at every point in his humanity, Jesus proved that he was the son of God. And he, it is here while he's with Moses and Elijah in this glorified body, that this transfigured body that, that the father speaks and says and gives his approval. This is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. So now here is the approval of the father. Watch this. Jesus is now ready to go to Calvary. This is the next stop on the road. He's going to Calvary. He has, let me say this, he's passed the inspection. There is no question. There is no sin to prove otherwise. He has never sinned. He was never even a sinner. Jesus is the spotless lamb of God. And all through his, his earthly life and his earthly ministry, he has come out spotless. And the father said, I'm well pleased. What is this? What is going on here? Does it sound familiar? There was an inspection time for the lambs. There was an inspection time that they would be brought to the priest and the priest would look over that lamb and he'd spend a little bit of time looking for any sort of a blemish, any, any, anything that would disqualify that lamb from being the Passover lamb. And what the father was saying, there is nothing that disqualifies my son. He is ready. He, is, he was always ready. He was, when somebody says he was born ready, well, he was born ready to go to Calvary. But that inspection, I believe, is for us. And we get to look at that and say, yes, this is the Son of God. He, Jesus had been inspected. He's now ready. What a scene here that Peter and James and John. What a scene here that the faith in their life, just before that, when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a scene that was opened up to them because of the faith that they had. A door was opened to them to witness an incredible Event. Can I remind you of this as well? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Every, listen, everything ever done to the glory of God, watch the, the operative words or are, are, are phrases to the glory of God. Everything ever done to the glory of God was done by faith. It was not done in the flesh. Yeah. Otherwise, if it was not done in faith, it was done to the glory of self. We have a sad example of this in Moses when God told him to, to, to smite the rock and he did the first time and the water came out. But the second time it was, came time around and God said, speak to the rock. And uh, Moses didn't do that. No, he was mad. He said, you bunch of stiff-necked rebels, 
right? He was angry and he smote that rock twice and the grace of God and the mercy of God watered his children in spite of the sin and the error of Moses. But watch this, faith, uh, if Moses had, like he did the first time when he obeyed God by faith, it brought glory to God. But the second time when he disobeyed God, it brought glory to himself. That's why God couldn't let him go into the promised land. That's why God couldn't allow him to lead Israel into the promised land. Moses would have been bringing them in, not God. And God said, I'm sorry, it can't happen. Moses said, please? No. Come on, can I please? Don't ask me again. You're not going in. See, faith believes. Faith obeys. Faith overcomes. It overcomes. And I want to look at this tonight in our text here. The title I have there is, is just a real simple title. It's called This this Kind by Faith. This Kind by Faith. There are some things in our life that come into our life that are only going to go up by faith, but it's, it's, it's something else has got to get you to that type of faith. And I want to look at that tonight. If you notice in verse 9, they're coming down. They've been up at the Mount of Transfiguration. They're coming back down from the mountain. Look at verse 9. It says, And they came down from the mountain. Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man, man be risen again from the dead. The gospel, the death, burial, resurrection, it was not yet complete. And he said, Hey, don't say anything yet. Wait till I'm done. Wait till I'm risen from the dead. The gospel is complete. And then you can say something. But don't tell anybody about this transfigured body. But notice here in verse 9, they came down from the mountain. And as they got down in verse 10, we see that there are more disciples, the disciples that didn't get to go up with him. There are disciples that are waiting there at the bottom of the mountain. They asked him saying, why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? Now, this is a whole message in itself. There's a whole lot here. I just wrote down a few notes just to, just to give a, just a real skeletal understanding, a skeletal outline of what is going on here. And they're asking about Elijah in verse 11, because it was prophesied Elijah will come, right? Elijah is going to is is uh, going to restore all things, right? We, you can go back in the Old Testament and read that. And Jesus said, yeah, he shall come, verse 11. But in verse 12, he says, he's come already. He said, but I say unto you that Elijah is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Who was this Elijah? Well, the disciples understood he spoke of John the Baptist. Do you realize John the Baptist was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 40? And he, and he was that, that the voice of one crying in the wilderness, making, uh, preparing the way for the Messiah. And we see here, if Israel had believed the preaching of John like many did, right? John would have, would have done the work of Elijah and Israel would have say, received Jesus Christ as their Lord. But wait a minute, they rejected Jesus Christ. They rejected John eventually. Herod eventually put him in prison, right? Eventually took his head on because why? Well, he didn't like to be preached to. You know, you're not, it's, it's not lawful to have your brother's, sis, your brother's wife, buddy. It's not right. Okay, fine, go to jail. Eventually his head comes off of him. They reject, listen, they rejected the work of Elijah, but ultimately Israel rejected the preaching of John the Baptist. I'm sorry. Uh, they rejected the preaching of John the Baptist by rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. So since they rejected John and rejected the Lord Jesus, Elijah isn't coming, you know, John. John's not, not, not he could have been the Elijah, 
but they rejected him. But it, because they rejected him, Elijah is going to come, but it's going to be at the great and terrible day of the Lord. Elijah is going to come, but it's going to be in the tribulation period, the, the, the time of discipline for Israel. Can I notice this? I want, to, I want you to show you this, though, if you would, don't, don't miss this. This is fascinating to me because Jesus knew he was going to be rejected from the beginning of time. He knew that. He knew Israel was going to reject him. He knew what was going to be done with John. But I notice this. The door is always open for repentance and acceptance of Jesus Christ. Even though Jesus knows the beginning from the end, he always leaves the door open. And Israel, listen, Israel could have received the Lord Jesus Christ right there, but they would not. I love the mercy of God and the grace of God. Hey, maybe this is why Jesus set up that meeting with Moses and Elijah. Maybe Jesus told them, yeah, okay, it's not happening. It's not happening. You're going to have to come back in the tribulation. Okay. I'm just being silly. I don't know why. what he said. Watch this. I want to show you something that, is, that we know. Faith is the issue here. Israel refused to believe God. And it's a faith issue. So watch this. Once they come down from the mountain, they're together again with his disciples. And they're once again face to face with the labor in the valley. In verse 14, this father comes. This distressed father shows up. And he runs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he kneels down before the Lord Jesus. And he says, have mercy on my son. Look at verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down and, and saying, Lord... Have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, and oft times he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And so here we have here in verses 14 and 15, uh, this man who has a son who is demon-possessed. He is lunatic. Listen, he is not epileptic. No, translations of the Bible call this, they call it either epileptic or he's having seizures. The ESV says seizures. The NIV says seizures. The ASV says epileptic. The New King James Version says epileptic. The word there is not epileptic. I know some people think that and they put that there, but even when they put that there as a definition, they say it's really not possible because they would not have known that word or that name back in, in when, when, this was, when this was written. It's not possible. The Greek word there, lunatic, is, is, is actually the word moonstruck. <laughs> People get weird on a full moon, don't they? People get crazy. Ask a school teacher. Anybody a school teacher? Was that true? Is that true? Yeah, there's a couple heads going over here. Yeah, that's true. They get, the kids get nuts, man. It's like, did you get a lot of sugar? It's like, oh, nope, full moon. They're going crazy. Yeah. It's moon, the word is actually moonstruck. And, and if you look at Webster's 1828 dictionary, it ju, it just it's, that's exactly what it says. It says moonstruck lunatic. Lunatic. Notice what the father says. It doesn't say he is a lunatic. He says he is lunatic. It's his behavior. 
there's it's something else going on. He's not it's just not something essentially he normally is. See, epilepsy, the problem with epilepsy, it's a disease that really isn't consistent. It comes and goes, and I know they get this from this because it says oft times, it says he's sore vexed. He's miserably affected by this, and it's like he has no control over his body. It says, For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. It's it's like he has no control over what's going on and, and people have put other words to that. But we're going to see here in a little bit, Jesus is going to define the problem. I love how the Bible defines itself many times, most of the time. Verse, verse 16, the, so here we have the problem. The father has a son. There's nothing that can be done with him. And unfortunately, there's been some ineffective disciples that have already taken a shot at it. Maybe while he was up in the mountain with Peter, James, and John, I don't know. But the, but the father says here, I brought him, verse 16, to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Right? They couldn't do it. So what does he do? He brings him to Jesus. He brings him to Jesus. Yeah. They couldn't cure him. So Jesus is getting ready to leave. He's, getting, he's on his way to Calvary. And his disciples are still unable to do what Jesus does. Right. Now, I told you after, after chapter 17, there's really no more miracles that Jesus does. And you might, if you remember that, you might go, ah, oh, here's a miracle coming up. But really, he didn't set out to do a miracle here. He, he's correcting what his disciples weren't able to do. Okay. And there's a little difference there. In verse 17, though, notice what Jesus is going to do, though. He's going to heal this boy, but there's going to be some discipline. There's going to be some teaching. There's going to be some education for his disciples before he heals them. Actually, there's going to be a little bit of a, uh, no, a lot of a rebuke here before his disciples. Look at verse 17. And Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? faithless, unbelieving. This is the problem with the disciples. Faithless, unbelieving, perverse. Literally, it means turned aside, distorted from the right. They've gone astray from what was right. Do you notice the order that Jesus gives? It's really the same order today, friend. Faithless and then perverse. Listen, when you, when you come to a place of faithlessness in your life, when you come to a place of unbelieving in your life, when you come to a place of disobedience in your life, perverseness will follow. It's inevitable. Yes. He says, how long will I suffer you? How long will I allow this to go on? And he tells them to bring him to me. Bring him to me. In verse 18, it's real simple, isn't it? Not a lot of fanfare, not a lot of problem. Was it an epileptic? No, Jesus rebuked the devil. There's a problem with connecting physical ailments with demonic activity. Are some physical ailments, could there be demonic activity? There could be. Yeah. But that's a dangerous place to go, thinking everything is illness-wise is demonic. Yeah. Jesus just said here simply that... He uh, rebuked the devil. Look at this. And he, he, who's he? The devil, departed out of him. He departed out of him. 
This was demonic. This was a demon-possessed child. I was thinking about this earlier, how bad it is to think that that sickness is all all sickness is demonic demon related demonic activity right if that were true then the thorn in paul's flesh was a devil that god allowed to stay there that's odd we've got to be careful with some of these things going going to some of these things it's very simple he was demon possessed we've gone from watch this on the mount of transfiguration before the mount of transfiguration we've gone from great declarations of faith by peter to just some real disappointing failures of faithlessness and perverseness by these other disciples. See, faith got to see the miracles. Faithlessness became a failed bystander and had to watch Jesus do what they, watch what they could have done. Jesus never says, oh, no, no, this is, no, this is my territory. Oh, nope, out of your jurisdiction, this is what I do. He didn't tell them that. He told them the reason you couldn't do it because of your faithlessness and your unbelief. So in verses 19 through 21, we see here a why. A why. The disciples came to him in verse 19, and then came the disciples to Jesus apart, and they said, they got alone with them. They didn't want to do it there in front of everybody. They got alone and said, why could not we cast him out? Why couldn't we do this? I mean, I like their sincerity. They really, this bothered them, right? They, they thought they should have been able to. They didn't know why they weren't able to. Jesus obviously rebukes them and upbraids them a little bit. And he already tells them because of their faithlessness and their perverseness and their unbelief. But they said, why couldn't we do this? In verse 20, look what Jesus says. He said unto them, because of your unbelief. And he's going to go and give them an example here. Look at this. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, at another place Jesus calls the mustard seed the smallest seed of the herbs, the smallest seed that grows up into a tree, and there's different types of mustards, and some do grow up into trees, pretty big trees, but they're little, little, little seeds. If you have faith as the grain of mustard seed, Ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove thence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Wow, that's a big statement Jesus made. Can I tell you, in my younger days, I've come to that verse. I've had needs before God. And I've come to that verse, and I've, I've read it over and over, and I said, Lord, either this is true or you're a liar. It's either true or it's not. And I'd spread my needs out before the Lord and I'd tell you the, some of the miraculous ways that God would provide. <laughs> Never forget those. He said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you could say unto this mountain, be thou be removed and be cast into the sea. Was Jesus talking about literal mountains? I like what somebody said, well, will we ever get to heaven and Jesus go... My goodness, nobody ever moved a mountain. I was waiting for somebody to move, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, what's that big one? Everest. I was waiting for somebody to have enough faith to move Everest, and nobody did it. I was, boy, I was really hoping somebody would do that. <laughs> yeah. Mountains, this word mountains in the Bible, 
many times it's what it symbolizes is problems. So watch, sometimes we have mountains in our life. We have things in our life that we can't see over. They're so big. We can't look around. We can't see a way around them because they're so large at the base. They're mountains in our life. No, they're not speed bumps. They're mountains. They're not little knolls. They're mountains. They're, they're, the, they're the, the, that Sierra Nevada range as those, those pioneers went west of California. Could you imagine the first one in their wagon that headed up and saw in the distance, oh, that, that's a cloud bank up there. And they got closer and closer like you do getting to Colorado and go, uh-oh. That there's a mountain. <laughs> and we, we can't get around it, friend. You might go up to, uh, what, a few thousand miles? You, uh, you could be. I mean, you might, okay, what do we go north above British Columbia and come back around? What do you go south down to the deserts of Arizona and come back around and come up the other side? You, you know, it's huge. You can't get around it. You can't get over it. You're not going to tunnel through it. It's a mountain. It's a problem. We have those in our life, don't we? You just have no idea how they're going to get out of your life. It's a problem. Jesus said, faith, the size of a grain of mustard seed, faith allows you to speak to the mountain and command it to move. Do you believe that? Hmm. Well, I know it's easy to say. I, I'm, I'm, I know people have experiences in their life. They say, amen. I know that's true. But friend, that's a big statement right there. He says this type, this faith, this tiny grain of a mustard seed faith makes nothing impossible. Wait, I think, I think Jesus is just, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger here. Okay, remove a mountain. Wow. All right, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Huh. Yeah. And this was their problem. Unbelief. Unbelief. If they just believed, if they just had the faith, that they watch that they had available to they have faith right it's there it's not like some second blessing of faith where now I'm super christian the faith is a grain of a mustard seed so how do you get this kind of faith notice what he says here in verse 21 how be it this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Would you notice that word kind? We would look at that word kind and say, what is that referring to? Is it referring to faith? Or is it referring to something else? Kind. Kind is short for the word kindred. Kindred. This kindred, offspring, family, stock, tribe, nation. Here, here's a definition. The aggregate of many individuals of the same nature, kind, or sort. 
this kind. What's it speaking of? Well, it can't be speaking of faith. There's only one faith. It doesn't have a lot of kindred, I don't think. I, maybe somebody could show me differently. Oh, you forgot all the siblings of faith, man. They're all over the place. Maybe, I don't know. As far as I can tell, it can't be referring to faith. Faith is just simply believing in the word of God. That grain of a mustard seed. Just believing what God says. What is kind referring to? I think it's referring to the word mountains. Why? Because mountains got kinfolk. Mountains got foothills. Mountains got little, little, little valley. You know, uh, a, a sweeping uh, the uh, the 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 eastern slope that come up to the Rockies. You start over here in eastern Kansas, and you're at about I don't know twelve hundred feet above sea level. By the time you get to western Kansas, it's as flat as can be. You can watch your dog run away for two weeks, and you're at forty five hundred feet above sea level. Doesn't seem like it, but boy, you're getting up there. Yeah. Mountains got kinfolk. All sizes and all shapes. The kindred of mountains, if mountains are problems, the kindred of mountains are what? Smaller problems. No, here's a mountain of a problem, and you got all of these other little problems. And what's he saying here? Mountains are the problems that are the biggest out of all of your problems. Some have financial problems, but then there's some other, there's a mountain of a problem. You know, you might, you might think, boy, wish I had more money. That's a problem. Yeah. But then there may be something in your life that money couldn't fix. It's such a mountain. Hey, there may be a, there, there may be a little, little, little hill in your life, a little speed bump that's a problem. Yeah. It's a little thing, right? You'd like to see this happen or that happen or whatever it is. But then you've got something in your life that you can't see over it. It's insurmountable. See, it's one thing to trust God to give you traveling mercies to the grocery store around the corner. Sometimes we don't even think about it, do we? But it's entirely another thing to trust God to give you $10 million. I'm still trusting for that one. <laughs> See, it's, it's one thing to trust God to give you victory over getting your brakes changed on your car. Because if you're doing it yourself, that is a, that is a victory. No. Especially remember the old drum brakes with all the springs in them? Oh, man. You could miss a spring and get it. We had a shop I used to work at when I was a kid. The guy would, uh, this guy, Bill... He was a Korean War vet, and we were just at a shop. If anybody's ever worked at a garage, man, we're just cruel to each other. It's just constant, uh, uh, just uh, it's it's constant pranks. And and uh, poor Bill would have his hubcap there and be full of springs and stuff like that. And I'd walk by and drop one extra spring in there and walk away when he wasn't. Looking. And he'd spend half the day doing this, trying to figure out where that spring went. <laughs> that was awful. I know. Oh, I'd get it back. Don't worry. It came back. It's one, hey, it's one thing to trust God and get in your drum brakes, you know, put, put new brakes on the back of your car, but it's another thing for a newly saved alcoholic to trust God to deliver him from the drink that his body is screaming for. Friend, that's a mountain. 
That's a mountain. That grocery store trip, that's a speed bump. Ten million, that's a mountain. Unless you're Musk. Brakes changed, speed bump. Deliverance from an addiction, mountain. See, there are things that we do by faith that really don't require any extra help. We just believe God for them. And watch, in our life as we mature as Christians, those things change as we go. They get, I mean, we begin to trust God simply for bigger and bigger things. It just becomes, a, when you first get saved, you're like, ah, over the littlest thing. And as you've been with Christ long enough, it, as things come in more and more, you're like, oh, okay, God, God will provide. He's done it before. But then there's mountains in our life. They're removed. It's the same faith that removes the mountains, but with some extra help to operate the faith, watch, as easily as you operate over the speed bump. Jesus tells us what it is. It's prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. It's amazing how many modern versions of the Bible put a line there and say the oldest and most reliable. Which let me ask you this, oldest and most reliable, how would they what do they compare to to know that they're most reliable? Anyway. They say the oldest, most reliable manuscripts don't have this. Some will just omit it completely without a footnote. Prayer and fasting, over and over. Prayer and fasting. They remove it. I told you before, that's what moved my friend from an NIV to a King James Bible, all on his own. He came to this and he thought, why did they take this out? Hmm. Prayer. Communicating with God, your Heavenly Father. A relationship. Communion. Communication. Communication. Can you imagine a relationship with somebody you never talked to? Friend, it's not a relationship. Maybe an acquaintance. Communion prayer, getting to know the mind of God. Do you know how how much of our prayer life is just coming to the place of understanding the mind of God? Not just all about getting what we need and what we want. So much of our prayer is getting to know Him. Relying on Him. That is what we do when we pray, when we have a prayer life. We are acknowledging before our Father, I need you. I need you. I'm relying on you. I'm trusting you. Secondly, the big one. Fasting. This kind. The mountain in your life. It may still be there because you haven't come to a place in your life of a, a life of prayer and fasting. What does it mean to fast? <laughs> you know. Shut the mouth and don't let the food in. You know what's amazing? What anarchy will rise up in your body when you tell your body no for food? It's in, I mean, you can just think in your mind, I, I need to fast today. 
And I mean, it's two minutes after breakfast. You might have just ate and you're like, I, I need to fast for lunch. And your body's already going, uh-uh, I'm starving. It's like, you just ate, dummy. Oh, no. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like your body knows it starts getting scared now. You know, it's like, uh-oh, what am I going to do? You know, it's... <laughs> your body screams, doesn't it? Don't do this to me. It's, watch, we are shutting down the flesh... So we become more in tune to God. You watch us. If you spend time fasting, what do you do? You spend a lot of time communicating with God. Closer to communion. Closer to His power. Hmm. You see, there are some things in our life that are mountains and the only way that they are going to come out of our life is when we turn to a pattern in our life of prayer and fasting. No, it seems here this isn't just a one-time event. It's not just a type of a genie in the bottle to get what you want. It's fostering a deeper relationship with God. It's a lifestyle that, that is just so, it's so reactive when something comes into your life or something's coming up. It's so quick just to go to a place of fasting and prayer. Do I need to list everybody through the Word of God? The times that they fasted and prayed? Yeah. Times that fasts were called and, and, and put out and call a fast, right? Esther, yeah, there's one. Do you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And there he was praying. And he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. But remember what he had told the disciples. He said, watch and pray. Right? Watch and pray. That you what? What did it go on to say? Did he not come into what? Temptation? I think that's what it says. Watch and pray. What did the disciples do? They slept. What was Jesus saying? Deny your flesh for a little bit and pray. The lack of sleep is a, another form of fasting. Our body needs sleep, right? You know, our body needs food. Our body needs sleep. He said, watch and pray. And they couldn't do it. And they went to sleep. And finally, after telling them that a couple times... He gets done and says, okay, sleep on now. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's done. I've been delivered. I've, I've been, uh, he didn't say Judas, but he, Judas had betrayed him. And it was time. I wondered. I wondered if Peter had been praying when Jesus told him to, if he'd have been so close to him that he wouldn't have denied him when the mountain came into his life. When that little girl said, aren't you one of his? Oh, no. No. I wonder if the other disciples, if they'd been praying and fasting from the sleep that they wanted and they desired. I wonder if they'd been praying when Jesus told them to, if when it came time for the crucifixion, if they would not have all fled away like the Bible says they did. 
Because when the mountain of temptation came in their life, they'd have been so close to the Lord Jesus, they'd have been like, oh, we're not going anywhere. Kind of like John did there at the foot of the cross. Prayer and fasting. Let me ask you tonight, do you have any mountains in your life? Yeah, maybe it's a habit, an addiction. Maybe, maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's the condition of a child. Listen, it looks insurmountable. God, I don't see how you're going to do a thing about this. It's been here so long. It's been right at this place for so long. I've seen no, I have, I have seen nothing. I've seen no improvement anywhere in this area of my life. Could it be that Jesus is calling you to a closer walk with Him in a life pattern of prayer and fasting? Maybe the Holy Spirit of God tonight is putting a finger on something in your life. You know what it is. You know the mountain. You know, you know the biggest struggle in your life. Maybe tonight you need to let God know that you're going to start a pattern of not only prayer, but of prayer and fasting. A meal. You know, I think sometimes we look at fasting and go, I can't, I can't fast three weeks. I don't think he said to fast three weeks, man. <laughs> but sometimes, hey, watch. But are you in tune enough with the Holy Spirit of God when he says, you, let's not do breakfast today. I just need you to spend some time with me because there's some things coming that you don't know that you need me. Maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's a day. Maybe it is a week. Do you notice here the inference of Jesus was that the disciples could have cast the devil out? Remember that? They could have cast the devil out. But it was their relationship with Jesus, their unbelief, that stopped them. See, watch. You know what fasting does? Fasting and prayer and fasting, it draws you so close to God. It, it, I'm telling you, it brings you to a place of, 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 of just uh, of, a, of a trust and a belief that can't be soon shaken because he's so close. You ever have those times in your life when you've obeyed the Spirit of God and it just seemed like the Lord Jesus was sitting in your lap? He was so close. That's what fasting does. Mountains in your life tonight? Let me show you one more inference and I'm done. Until we get into that lifestyle, the mountain's not moving. The big thing's going nowhere because he said, how be it, this kind, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Can I tell you something? Just as Mount Everest hasn't moved that Everest of an issue in your life, whatever it is, it's not going to move either until you obey the Holy Spirit of God and come to a place and a pattern in your life when He, when he calls you to it of prayer and fasting. And you know what I'm assuming? I'm assuming and I suspect that God has already called you to that before, hasn't He? 
And we go, huh, really? Is it that big of a deal? <laughs> Food? This kind. This kind. May God help us to be a church, to be a church of people, an assembly of uh, this uh, body here, of people that have a natural, normal pattern of life of prayer and fasting. I know this, according to the Word of God, we'll see victories in this church that many have thought would never be possible. May God help us. Father, thank you for the encouragement tonight. No doubt there are those here tonight that have mountains in their life, and maybe these mountains have been there for years and years and years. Maybe they've gotten to the place where they've just been so discouraged and so disappointed thinking there's no way to get around it, no way to fix it. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just stuck here. This is where I am. This habit I have, this addiction, this, this uh, fear that I have, this, this need that I have, the condition of a family member, the condition of a child, it just seems like there's going to be nothing that's going to fix this. And you're showing us tonight that sometimes these things don't go anywhere without a pattern of prayer and fasting in our life, a lifestyle change. Father, would you help us to that tonight? Help us to be sensitive to thy Holy Spirit. Help us to have that pattern of closeness with you. Lord, we desire that tonight. We thank you for what you're going to do in this church and in thy people. We thank you in Jesus' name. Stand with me tonight if you're able. The instrument's going to play. Maybe the Lord has spoken to you tonight. You got a mountain in your life? You say, well, it's not that big of a mountain. Well, is it bigger than the other problems in your life? Would you commit unto the Lord a, a life of fasting and prayer? doesn't mean he's going to tell you to fast for uh, 40 days. But watch, just sense it enough to the Holy Spirit of God. When he says, hey, don't eat. Why don't you just put that off this morning and spend some time with me? Would you be ready to quickly do that and obey? I'm telling you tonight, you'll see, you will see the victories in your life according to the word of God that you may have been looking for for years. And it may not be, hey, listen, friend, it may not just be food. It may be, hey, would you turn that off tonight? Would you shut that down tonight? Would you, would you just click the off button on that one and just spend some time with me? Friend, it's at those times when the Spirit of God moves that way. You, listen, we, we can see from the Word of God we, we, be, we better move on that. God knows what's coming ahead of us.
Got any mountains you can't move? I think they wrote a song about that, right? Yeah, fast and pray. You know what you find out also when you pray or when you fast? It's impossible not to, fa to, to fast and not pray. It's impossible not to do the two together. May God help us. May God help us. God wants victory in your life, friend. He wants you to live in victory. Absolutely. And uh, let's be sensitive to him. Let's be closing the word of prayer. Great day today. Thankful for the, for the day. And thank you, obviously, always for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we get to celebrate that. Thank